It's Monday, November 6th, 2017. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, this is our weekly Monday morning Bible study, and today we continue our study on the gospel according to Luke, and we are joined by Blake Rogers, who's the director of our Georgia office. Uh, Blake comes to us from Southern Seminary, where he earned a master's in divinity, and so we are just grateful to have him walk us through Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 80. Good morning. This is Blake Rogers with Lifeline Children's Services. I'm the state director for Georgia, and I have the privilege this morning of sharing with you from Luke chapter 1. We'll be looking at verses 39 through 80. And so if you've got a copy of God's Word, please open it up so that you can follow along. The context and the aim of Luke is this. We find this in Luke chapter 1. Uh, The second half of verse 3 says this, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. We know uh, from the onset the very goal of these, these stories, these passages, these verses that Luke has penned here is that we would have confidence that um, Christ is who he said he was, that the things that we have heard about him are actually true. And it's certainly the goal of our passage today. Uh, today we're going to look at uh, Mary's response to the big news that she has just heard uh, that she is actually going to be the one who would bear to us, for us, the Son of God in her own womb. In verse 35, we we see that the angel answered her, speaking to Mary, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Now, as we read this verse, um, our hearts bubble with joy and excitement. All of the things that have been promised in the Old Testament are coming true. The Son of God is coming. The Messiah is coming. The one who was promised um, is going to be in the midst of these people uh, right here. This is an exciting time. This is a great time. This is a hopeful time. But to Mary, maybe not so much. I think if we were to put ourselves in Mary's shoes that we would recognize that the news that she would be pregnant, though she's not married, that she would be pregnant in an honor and shame culture would be hard and difficult. And I think that's part of the context that Luke wants us to grapple with here. It's like, this is very, very hopeful, but it comes to a little teenage girl um, who undoubtedly has to be afraid, has to be scared um, with, from hearing uh, this news. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at her response. And the first thing that we see in verse 39 is this, and I'm going to read it here. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Now, what does she do? Well, she runs to someone who has also had an angel proclaim to her that she is going to bear a son. Now, Elizabeth's son is is quite different from the one that she is that Mary is bearing. He is not the son of God, but he ultimately would be the one who would go before the son of God to proclaim the kingdom of God was at hand in the coming of Christ. But 
earlier in Luke, we see um, God revealing to Elizabeth that she would have a son. And at this point in the story, she is further along in the pregnancy. And uh, Mary obviously knows this. She runs with haste to her. It's almost as if she's running to a pregnancy counselor of sorts who can help her work through and deal with the implications of the news that she has heard and most certainly the implications of the child that she is bearing in her womb. Verse 41, And when Mary heard the greeting of Mary, I'm sorry, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And then she continues on to say this, And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me. I think this is uh, intentional and interesting. Um, Luke provides the, these details with a specific agenda in mind. He wants Theophilus and he wants us to have confidence and certainty in the things of God. One of the things that I think we should come away with certainty on here uh, comes from what we see with Elizabeth's baby. Verse 41 again, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. I think John the Baptist here has already recognized that he is in the presence of deity. The whole reason that uh, he was given to Elizabeth, as we see in God's sovereign plan moving forward, was that he would pave the way for the one who was to come, the Messiah. We see a small response to uh, the very presence of Jesus here, which I think is instructive and interesting. I think what we see is a spiritual recognition by John that that he is in the presence of the Messiah, and this recognition manifests itself in a physical way. Uh, this goes to say, I believe that when conception happens, what we don't have is a mere um, grouping of cells that is strictly temporal and strictly physical. I, I believe that when we have conception, and when there is a baby in the womb, there's not just a physical baby uh, who has life, who is in a preborn state. This is an eternal being with a soul. And we see this evidenced here in the fact that even John, um, though he is preborn, leaps in the womb at the presence of Jesus, at the hearing of the mother of Jesus. He leaps in the womb. When conception happens, an eternal being comes to exist. And what a wonderful and awesome thing that God allows us to participate in uh, with that being the fruit. Uh, verse 42, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. There's this proclamation, this excitement about Mary and about the fact that she is carrying the Son of God. Verse 43 goes on to say, uh, and why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Uh, Elizabeth, though this the baby that Mary is carrying, Jesus, has not been born yet. There's already a recognition of lordship, of sovereignty. Um, this is interesting. I mean, this is, this is amazing, actually, that, that God, by His Spirit, who has filled Elizabeth, has showed, shown her that even though Jesus isn't on the earth yet physically. Um, he's still in the womb. He's still preborn, and yet he is still Lord. That is instructive for us. Verse 44, For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. 
And blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Now, I find this interesting as well, and I think it's instructive for us. This blessedness that is ascribed to Mary here from Elizabeth Elizabeth is based on what? Her belief. Uh, She believed that God would do what he said he would do, and therefore she is blessed. Uh, This is the setting that we have for what comes next. But before we jump into uh, Mary's song of praise here in response to uh, what God has done, I think it's important to consider how we go through uh, life and how we view God through the trials of life. Um, there are many of us, and I would even submit that all of us at some point in time, look at God and we determine the character of God based on our earthly circumstances. This is like a bottom-up approach to theology. We look to the earthly or we look through the earthly circumstances that we find ourselves in and project our thoughts on those circumstances onto God. When things go badly, we question God's goodness um, under this mindset. We question God's purposes whenever things go wrong. Um, There's another way of looking at God. There's a top-down type of reality that that we could live in, where we're looking at our circumstances through the lens of the promises of God, through the character of God. When we do encounter hard circumstances in life, when we're looking top down, we see that even though circumstances are hard at the earthly level, that ultimately there's a good and sovereign God behind those who has good and full purposes for everything that happens in our lives. I believe that this is the approach that Mary has taken here. Mary, again, a teenage girl, Uh, is faced with the reality that she's pregnant outside of marriage. But she's also faced with great promises of God spoken to her by an angel, and her hope is full. And because even though her circumstances at the earthly level are bad, because she trusts that God is a a truly good and ultimately sovereign God, um, the response of these circumstances in her heart is praise. And that's what we have here in Mary's song of praise. She goes on to say this in verse 46, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. Though my circumstance is hard, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. You see this generational language here. I think that's so important. So hold on to that as we make our way through this passage. For he who is mighty has done a great has done great things for me and, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. He has exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. So he goes on to say, In the rich he has sent away empty, and he has helped his servant Israel in the remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Now, I think one of the most interesting things about this passage is this generation idea, generation to generation idea of calling Mary blessed. This harkens back to stories of old. She continues in her song of praise in verse 55, and she um, exclaims that as he has spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, 
and to his offspring forever that he has helped his servant Israel. Mary here is picking up on a theme that is evident to us early in the Bible. Okay, And we're going to jump forward here to Zechariah's prophecy as well to hear maybe some similar tones, some similar verbiage uh, that he's going to be praising God for and proclaiming here in his prophecy. Uh, Leading up to his prophecy, his son was born. And uh, though many people thought that he should be called Zechariah, uh, Zechariah and and he and Elizabeth both affirmed what the angel said earlier in chapter 1, that his name would be John. They're demonstrating faith there, and they're also demonstrating obedience by naming him John, according to what the angel had said. And this leads Zechariah to, to prophesy about uh, the role that um, his son would play. And uh, it goes like this in, in verse 67, And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he has spoke by the mouth of his holy promises from old, that we should be saved from our, from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers, to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness, before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people, in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us, from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And it concludes by saying this, and the child grew and became strong in spirit and he was filled and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance in Israel or to Israel. Um, What we have here is a rejoicing once again that all of the promises of God are finding their yes in Jesus. If we look back to Genesis 3, and if we look in Genesis 3.15, we find just pretty much immediately following the fall, there is a promise that God is going to put enmity between the woman and the serpent, and that the woman's offspring would ultimately crush the head of the serpent though the serpent would indeed bruise the heel of the offspring. We move forward in the creation account, and generations come and go, and we find ourselves in Abraham. And with Abraham, we see more promises being made uh, very similarly to this. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 2, God tells Abraham, who keep in mind doesn't have a child yet, that I will make you a great nation and bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Later in Genesis 15, 5 and 6, he would say, and he brought him outside and said, look toward the heavens and number the stars if you're able to number them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Verse 6, and he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. In Genesis uh, chapter seventeen or chapter twenty-two, in verse verses seventeen uh, through eighteen, uh, as I'm flipping there, 
um, we see this promise um, continue to be reiterated in, in, in uh, even in, we see shadows of greater fulfillment uh, as God is promising here. Verse 17 of chapter 22, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies and in your offspring shall all of the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. This is instructive and important here. Uh, what Mary is seeing happen is the fulfillment of the promises made to Adam and Eve, the promises made to Abraham and Sarah, that there would be one who would come from their offspring that would redeem the world, that would make all of the nations be blessed. We look in, we, we, you can follow this lineage from Genesis chapter 1 all the way to uh, 2 Samuel 7 and verses 12 through 16, where we see similar promises made to David that he's going to make him a great name and that ultimately through uh, through this lineage that the Savior would come, the Messiah would come. And then if we look in Matthew chapter 1, uh, we see a genealogy of Jesus Christ. Um, chapter 1 verse 17 of Matthew says this, all of the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to Christ, 14 generations. What Matthew is picking up on there and what we are reminded of in Mary's prayer of praise or song of praise and Zechariah's prophecy is that all things have found their yes and amen in Jesus. Jesus is the one who would come who was promised in, in Genesis chapter 3.15. He was the one who was promised to Abraham. He was the one who would come out of the lineage of David to redeem the people for their sins. Essentially, all of human history leading up to this point, to this situation where Mary has the Son of God in her womb, all of history has led up to the coming of Christ. And if all of history is about the coming of Christ, shouldn't we align our lives with the coming of Christ? Shouldn't God be honored and glorified as we worship and trust in the living Christ? That is our hope today. That is the hope of our ministry, actually. Um, we believe that to be true. We believe that Christ is Lord of all, and we believe that the least of these need to hear and need to hear that message as the churches proclaim that message to a lost and dying people. That's our hope today, and it's that and it's my hope that you would rest in that and that you would worship Jesus for what he has done for you and worship God as he has brought all things to come to bear and find their yes and amen in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.